and welcome back to Life-Giving Habits from Seven Vineyard, where we are looking at things that Jesus did and asking if we do them too, can we become more like Jesus? And so can they become life-giving habits for us? Today, Mal Caladine gets into celebration. And if you don't know him, it might help you to know that Mal is the kind of person who finds reasons and ways to celebrate so many things in life. He is an absolute joy to be around. And this might explain why he doesn't start off thinking about parties and weddings, but something you will probably never guess. Go on, have a guess. What had Mal been celebrating in spring 2015? Hmm, got an idea? Okay. Let's see if you're right. You'll be wrong, but let's see if you're right. I think we've celebrated quite a lot this weekend. Did anybody talk about... I actually had a picture of it, but I forgot to put it up. Did anybody um, uh, watch the eclipse on uh, Friday morning? Did, uh, did anybody watch it? I watched it out the window. We watched it out the window, very cloudy. And I did think I'd burnt my eyes. Because although it was really cloudy, I was really trying to work out what was going on. It just looks like a normal, slightly weird sun. And, um, but my eyes really hurt at the, uh, at the end of it. Um, and, but we also had the TV on and watching Dara O'Brien and... Um, and, and the guys up in the pharaohs, and, and it was fascinating listening to them. Fascinating to listen to them. Being This has been amazing. We've been part of something incredible. You know, it went really dark and eerie, and everybody was talking and partying, and then they went really quiet. And then the two presenters up in the pharaohs were saying to each other, yeah, it makes you feel so small and little, doesn't it? And realizing your place is so small. And just this incredible thing of the, the fact that the world, um, the sun is 400 times bigger than the moon, yeah? And the moon, um, the moon and the sun is, are 400 times bigger than each other. And we happen to be the exact right 400 times the distance that we are from the moon is 400 times what it is to the sun, which is why it fits so perfectly. And there was in a moment with the eclipse when um, it's called, uh, was it called, the, what's it, what kind of ring is it called? Diamond ring. There's just a moment where there's a perfect corona of, the, of the, the light around the moon. And then it just appears this diamond on the side. This, this, uh, this symbol that we see it as a symbol, the diamond ring is a symbol of uh, commitment, isn't it? A diamond ring is a symbol of covenant commitment. And I just thought, isn't that amazing of God? That we're, we're the exact distance away from the sun to sustain life. Any further closer to the sun, we'd burn. Any further away, and we'd be too cold. Yeah, We're the exact right distance. And to be that exact right distance, the, uh, the Lord has even made it that the sun... When, it, when we have this moment of an eclipse, shows the mark of the covenant in our culture, the mark of a committed agreement of a diamond ring. I thought it was amazing. And it was just fascinating to watch these guys going, we've been part of something amazing, even when we're not sure what it is. And then Saturday morning, we, had a, we love on Saturday mornings to have brunch 
with, with anybody. You're welcome to brunch sometime. Saturday morning, it's really fun. And, and we, uh, we cook great stuff. And this Saturday morning, we were just telling stories. And um, uh, we had uh, uh, Rosie Riley with us. And uh, her hubby's in LA this week, and uh, she came over, and um, she was uh, she was telling us about amazing things that God's doing in her hospital that were just miraculous, and it was stories that were making you go wow, wow, and then and then we were telling story, and then she asked how we uh, we met and why I was wearing the particular shirt. Uh, shirt that um, I was wearing, because I was wearing this shirt. That's quite something, isn't it? Thank you very much. Um, this is all old boys. And uh, it's because I've got some friends in this area of Denmark, and um, I, was wanting to, uh, I was wanting to carry them before God, so I was, I was praying for them over, over these two days and wearing that shirt. And... Um, and and we found ourselves. Rosie was saying, "So so, why are you so excited about Denmark, Mel?" And I started telling the story of how um, I met my wife Chriselle, and she was half Danish. And I started, and I visited Denmark, and they were really nice, and they did good things, and they they knew how to party, and they I really liked their culture. And then it came to the wonder years of the European Football Championship of 1992, when the dream team of Denmark shouldn't even have qualified, but because war broke out in Yugoslavia, there was no longer a Yugoslav nation, and the first reserve team were Denmark. And they went and won the whole tournament. And we were telling Rosie about the emotional... um, the emotional journey it was, especially the semi-final against Holland and how dirty Marco van Basten um, fouled these guys and should have been sent off about 10 times, but he wasn't. And Denmark, the, the brave little strugglers from Denmark, they scored a goal and then hung on for 90 minutes. And then Holland scored in extra time to take it to one all. And it was like, no, the injustice of those brutes from Holland are going to beat the Danes and it's not right. And then, and then extra time and... We, we still hung on by the by skin of our nails. And then it went to penalties and Denmark won. And the love affair was sealed at that moment. Of my identity is now I am Danish. I have an identity that is Danish. I rejoice in, it's not just Carlsberg. It's not just all kinds of good things that come from that nation. Um, it's, it's uh, I have a story I have a story that I've been part of, of seeing what has happened in that culture. And then I changed shirts. And in the afternoon, there were six hours of rugby to watch. And it was an extraordinary story of, um, of what happened that afternoon. Of Wales um, played awfully in the first half and then in the second half were on fire with seven tries and set a bar where they could have won the rugby six nations and they just let one in at the end that could make all the difference and then Scotland uh, played against Ireland and Ireland overtook Wales to make the bar just that little bit higher and then this how many of you watched the England France game 
what an afternoon of craziness of getting to within one one score at the very end. One score. It was extraordinary, wasn't it? But I want you to understand that was actually, we were doing something, through that day, each of those six nations were doing something extraordinary. They were part of a story and they were actually looking at their identity as they did it. On your way here, you may have noticed a lot of Bristol City fans. There's a lot of guys wearing red and white today who are off to something important. But what they're actually wearing around their collars is their identity. And that they're, they're actually wearing what they celebrate. Anyway, I want to give you some scripture and then unpack what I've just said. This is the dictionary definition of what it means to celebrate. To observe ceremonies or festivities. To make something known publicly, to proclaim it. To praise widely. To perform an appropriate ceremony. To observe a day or event. Or to perform a religious ceremony. I'm not sure they nail it for me. Okay, well, so what does that actually mean? So let's go to some scripture. This is what Psalm 89 says. Blessed are those who proclaim, who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the presence of your light. If we learn to, 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 to acclaim who God is, to acclaim who he is, and the story that we're part of with him, then we walk in the presence of his light. So have you ever thought you're actually blessed? You become blessed when you learn to celebrate. You become blessed when you learn to acknowledge how good God is. Let's look at another psalm. Psalm 103 says this. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget all his benefits. Praise God, O my soul, and don't forget all his benefits. And the psalmist then really pleasingly goes on to list them. Who forgives you, heals you, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, satisfies your desires with good. If you do that, your youth is renewed. Have you ever thought that celebratory people are young in their spirit? Celebratory people are young. Chriselle's half Danish, so I have a, I have a mortmore which is a, a mother-in-law, uh, we call her Mother in Grace, but in Danish, Mortmore is mother's mother. So my mother's mother, she's about 17 in her spirit. She's really young. She's vibrant. She's a vibrant person. And I think it's because she does this. All the time, she's not forgetting all God's benefits She knows that she's forgiven. She knows that she's healed. She knows what's happened from her past. She knows she's been crowned with love and compassion, and she really has. And that the Lord satisfies what she wants with good things. And she's in her 70s, and she's like, she's 17. It's brilliant. It's a promise of God. It's a promise of God. And one other scripture. Um, we've looked at a verse a few times uh, in Romans three, letter. Uh, uh, sorry, Romans five three, and it says, 
uh, it's a good thing when life's hard. It's a good thing when life's hard because suffering produces difficulties, produces perseverance, perseverance, character. And we often think that that's the goal. Oh, I've gone through something hard because God wants me to have good character. Yeah? Don't you know, brothers and sisters, that suffering produces, you have a choice that it can lead to, lead to perseverance. Perseverance can lead to character. But that is not the goal. The goal is hope. Suffering produces character, perseverance, perseverance, character. But the goal of discipleship, the goal of your and my life is not that we have good characters. It's that we'd be hopeful. Have you thought of that? That you would actually have hope. That you'd have hope. So what I want to suggest to you is, what do you celebrate? What do you celebrate? Because you are what you celebrate. And if you're feeling a bit unhappy and like life's not that good, well, maybe, what are you celebrating? What are you celebrating? Tim, Tim Harvey's uh, emails from um, Sierra Leone were amazing. They were just brilliant. The moment where he went the other side of the plastic and became a patient and saying that he read his Bible more and prayed more, more than any time in his life, were really fascinating. And it's brilliant to see what this man was talking about and what he was processing in his life. But he had hope. And he had hope of a life well lived and doing it right. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. So I want to suggest to you that you are what you celebrate. And do you know, what, do you know the only thing that I understand that we can't celebrate is things that, that are too easy. The things that we celebrate always have an element of, of challenge about them. They have an element of adversity. You know, at an award ceremony like the BAFTAs, they'll have a Lifetime Achievement Award where somebody is honoured and celebrated. They're celebrated for how they've overcome hardship. They're celebrated, they're celebrated for what they've done. Do you get it? So actually, if our greatest desire in our life is comfort then I don't think there's often much to celebrate. Often what we have to celebrate is the journey of the challenge, the journey of triumph, the journey of adversity, and the journey how we do within it. So what do you celebrate? We are in a mad house of celebration. I'm really committed to this. I'm really committed to it because my understanding of what we celebrate is is the number one things we have to celebrate is that we're part of a story. Have you ever thought that you are part of a story and that you're actually part of God's story? And the reason that part of what we're looking to celebrate of hope is that if there is hope and meaning that those guys who watched those planets and said, whoa, I feel really insignificant at this moment. If they'd known that in that moment that what God was, uh, God was speaking to them about the potential of relationship with him in the perfect way that the world has been created. 
that they could actually celebrate hope of God's goodness, that their life does have meaning and purpose, and they could celebrate it for that. Yeah? You can celebrate God's story and that you have a part within it. And that when, we, when we're inviting other people who don't yet know Jesus, we're inviting them into the God story. And we're inviting them into the God story that started at the creation of the world. Yeah? But goes on into us living into the fullness of our meaning and purpose in God's presence. You're part of a God story. There's also a place to celebrate your story. Isn't that what birthdays are for? Yeah? But have you ever thought that actually your story is a good story? There are things that we need to celebrate about one another. One of the suggestions on the, um, on the Life Giving Habits page is either as a small group, as a household, to, to take a night each time you meet over the next month and to take one person and to celebrate them. You know, what do you like about them? What do you appreciate about them? What do you think God's plans are for them? Because we are, each one of you is uniquely special. And you have a story. And the other thing we can do is celebrate others' stories. If we don't celebrate stories of God at work, we stop, we put a lid on what God's doing. I preached quite a while back when we were in James about the power of words and talked about Romans 10, where it says the things that we believe with our ear, hear with our ear and believe with our heart, if we don't speak them to somebody else, then it says the, the cycle stops. But it's only when we speak the same things as what we believe with our heart to somebody else that they hear with their ear and then the, the, the chain reaction continues. So um, to give you an example, uh, we were, some of you know as a, a staff team, we were in uh, Causeway Coast Vineyard in Northern Ireland in Coleraine who have seen 50 people a week come to faith Really challenging church. Really challenging church. What I love is, is all they do is tell stories. All they do is tell stories of what, when they get together, they tell stories, stories of stories of what God's doing. And um, I met somebody that I, I've worked with a church in Dublin, um, which is right opposite the Guinness Brewery in Dublin, uh, in St. James, just south of the Wiffy Liffey. And um, uh, the new leader of that church in Dublin uh, was, at this, uh, was at this church in Coleraine as well. And he said to me, you know, if you haven't got your own stories, I find I'm telling these guys stories first to raise faith. And then when I've told those stories enough, it raises faith and then those stories become ours. So what he said was, we, we've, we've got a lot of people in our church, young people who've been self-harming. And as they've self-harmed, they've, they've left loads of scars on their arms. And I keep t telling them the stories that when I've gone to Coleraine, to Causeway Coast Vineyard, people have prayed for those arms and they've been completely healed. Not a blemish on their skin. And I've kept telling them those stories because it's not our story, but it's their story. And after I told it for three months, it became our story. And we started seeing people healed of the same thing. But it needed to become, 
if we haven't got the story of ourselves, tell others stories because you hear it and it excites you and you tell somebody else. These things are contagious. Everybody know Novak Djokovic, the tennis player? I remember meeting a guy who was uh, East, um, who worked in Eastern Europe and he said that no- Novak is Serbian? Croatian. Serbian. That he, he had organised... Um, uh, this friend of mine who, who works for a charity in Eastern Europe said that Novak Djokovic had organised a church event uh, in, in Serbia that he'd completely paid for and he sat on the stage and introduced a, a, their kind of version of Wembley Arena and introduced this evangelist and said, I really trust this man, listen to him. I'm just paying for this event, but the truth is what this guy is talking And I loved hearing that story because it did something in me. And what I was aware of was when I told it to other people, they got excited and they told other people. Yeah? Did you know that when you've had good customer service, you on average tell three people about it? If something's been really good, you tell three people about it. And if something's been really bad, you tell ten people about it. It's just interesting. Anyway, I want to hear this too. <laughs> Keep going to the next slide. So, how do we actually celebrate more? Some ideas, some thoughts, some suggestions, and the opportunity to get the word shit him into church. <laughs> um, Micah 6, 5 verse 6 says this. Um, Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal. The polite versions of the Bible say Acacia Grove to Gilgal. <laughs> that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. If we remember the journey of our story, our story with God, if we remember our story with others, and we remember what God's doing in the wider world, if we remember our journeys then we would know the righteous, which means right relationship. We would know right relationship with God. Shittim, is, it actually is, a, what he's talking about is the journey of the people of God at the start of Joshua as they are leaving, as they are entering the promised land. And um, Shittim is the place where God got the attention of his people And said to them, now I'm calling you to a great challenge to cross this river. I'm calling you to cross this river. And as you do it, um, consecrate yourselves. Make yourselves right before me. So remember your journey from the place that you were called and committed your life. Remember your journey from the place you were called and committed your life is where Shittim is to Gilgal and Gilgal is the other side of the river and the journey of the other side of the river is that they they went through the river and they were instructed that each member of each extended family would take a stone this is in Joshua 3 from uh, and Joshua 4 is this story if you want to follow it along that they take a, a stone from the middle of the river and then on the other side, they made a, a marker, an Ebenezer, a commemorative pile of stones. And this is when he's saying this. 
is that on the other side, it was this. We are marking and remembering what God has done. We, we were on one side of the river with no hope. But he called us and we committed our lives. And then he did a miracle. And we passed across the river on dry land so that we were able to pick a stone out. And each of our families picked out a stone. And now we've made a marker saying, this, this, this reminds us, this remembers us of what God has done in our lives. This is what God has done. So we remember our journey to the fulfillment of living into the promised land of what he has for us. So I want to suggest to you that if you're really going to get into celebration, it's all about markers and making memories. Yeah, go for it, poet Paul. I'm going to, I'm going to flesh it out for you, Paul. Yeah. I'm, I'm particularly wanting to point it to families and households. So bear with me a moment just to unpack what that means. Because as we get to um, almost suggesting, okay, so how are some of the ways that you can apply this? Yeah, How can you celebrate more? I want to suggest to you there's a, a number of different things that you can do. The first is to think about, as your household, how do you remember your story how do you mark God's story, your story, and others' story in your, in your household? What do you do? This is the reason that I love Passover, because this Passover meal that we're looking to have on the night before Easter is this amazing uh, meal where the, the Jewish people still today come before God and they remember the story of God releasing them from oppression and they have this amazing meal of four glasses of wine and they remember of how God rescued them and is going to rescue them again. And all I know is my, we've done this with our kids around, you know, around a table, remembering this story for years. And now it's in their memory. Now it's in their, I know I am part of that story. Now I'm part of that story. Keep going with a, an example of it. So you can have stories of rites of passage, identity, birthdays. You can have stories of relationship, anniversaries, honouring others. And stories of successes, achievements, where there's hope and where there's challenge. This is what I loved seeing on my, uh, my daughter, our eldest daughter who's in the States, has a blog. And uh, we, we try and through the year try and do loads of different moments where there is always something to celebrate. So one of the suggested homeworks for you as a household or a family is to go through the year and go, where can we celebrate something? Where can we celebrate? So one of the things that we celebrate as a family is Burns Night. The reason that we celebrate Burns Night is not just because it's a poetry evening and everybody comes and reads poetry. It's because our family lineage is Scottish. So we're celebrating our identity as being Scottish. And, and we talk about uh, our family's great, 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 great grandparents and what they were known for. And we, we celebrate the story of what we're part of as a family line. And then we go and, and then we go and have this party of poetry. And uh, 
my, my daughter was just saying, this is my poem from this year. And she actually videoed it from the States and sent it to us. And that on the right is the chocolate whiskey tort that my wife made for Burns Night this year that was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Really, the challenge of these times is to think about, okay, this is the introduction to how can we now go and apply this as a church? How can we apply this personally? How can we apply this in small groups, in our households, and as a whole church? Um, the website is, uh, has got loads of ideas on how to do that uh, for this next month. So some personal ideas, some small group ideas, and some household ideas. The number one one thing I want you to think about is, uh, what are you celebrating at the moment? Are you celebrating that you're part of a story? Are you celebrating that there is a story that God has you in? That you are part of the big story of God. And in the story, the, the word celebrate most appears in the life of Jesus, where he tells the story of the parable of the prodigal son. And it says, when what was lost is now found, they celebrated. They celebrated because they understood their identity being affirmed, their relationships being restored. And meaning and purpose coming back to their lives. So what are you celebrating? Have you thought about that you could celebrate? What could you, where could the Lord be getting your attention about what to celebrate? To celebrate rites of passage with your family. We try and have an annual rite of passage for each of our kids. Getting a bank account is a rite of passage. Um, at 18, taking the rest of the family out and buying everybody an alcoholic drink. Um, Amy did cocktails. Uh, it, was, uh, it was great. Um, uh, as a, as a rite of passage. And we first learned this when, I don't think we had kids, and I heard my uh, priest at that time, vicar, uh, he, uh, he was, oh no, it was his wife preaching, Mary Pitches. And um, she said, uh, I want to tell you a story about my husband and brag on him for a minute. We were, we were living in Chile and I'd had to go away. And I had four daughters and uh, they were all teenagers. And, uh, or just coming into teenagers. And I was away and David was looking after them. And... Uh, he said, it was a moment where um, uh, one of them came to him and said, uh, Dad, I've just started my period. And he's a very old school Englishman. And Mary said, I, when I heard that, I thought he would just be embarrassed and not know what to do. But he gathered the rest of the family and said, today, my daughter has become a woman. We need to go out to the smartest restaurant in our city and we are going to celebrate my daughter becoming a woman. Isn't that fantastic? And I thought, when I have kids, we're going to do that. 
And we've done it. We've gone for the poshest meal going. There was, I remember the conversation between my daughters about what would it be, mean for my son? And what was it that was the key moment physically to show that he was a man? Not helpful when your sisters are discussing that. But we, we worked on first shave. <laughs> first shave was the uh, was the conclusion and, uh, and each of them we celebrated we made a marker of this is your journey this is the journey that you're part of and we celebrate it yeah so where can you celebrate more where can you celebrate more in your family where can you celebrate more the events of the year that are your identity, including your national identity, including our local identity, including your community identity? Acknowledge God's goodness and his benefits, the challenge and the struggle and the hope that there is. Yeah? There's a, on the website, there's a list of each of the months of the year and some suggested ideas. And the challenge is to come up with your own. To come up with your own as a household. Yeah? And finally, what does it look like to celebrate others? What does it look like to celebrate others? What does it look like to celebrate visitors? One of my best, uh, one of our uh, best friends who were with us in Bristol for a few years, they had this thing where they would pick people up from the airport and they would put flags on the front of the car of the nation that they were coming from to make it like a diplomatic thing. And then they would drive them from the airport like this and then get them out, chauffeured and woo! And like, and just affirm who they are and what they are. Yeah? Who's God calling you to celebrate today? And what are you supposed to do about it? Should we pray together? Should we stand as we do this? If you'd like to. If it's like, Lord, I know you're speaking to me. Lord, we ask for your help in guiding us over this month of life-giving habit. I pray right now that you would drop in ideas of people and um, things that actually, if we are what we celebrate, of our story in you, our story with one another, and the story of the world that you've given us. Lord, we acknowledge that there's lots of, of challenges within it. But within those challenges, you've called us to persevere to the point where it doesn't just build character, but it brings hope. And I want to pray in this room today that, Holy Spirit, you'll be anointing people to be hope givers. To be hope givers into your own situation. Where you need to receive the hope of Jesus and that you are part of his story today. Just receive it afresh. Where you need to know the meaning and the, the purpose that there is in being a follower of Jesus. Receive that afresh. And ask him how you're supposed to celebrate it. And then just ask him to remind you of who you are encouraged. Who are you are called to celebrate? Who you are called to honour? You know, um, uh, I just feel like this is a word for some of you. In Ephesians 6, it says, um, honour your mother and father. Um, because uh, it is the first verse with a promise. 
that it would go well for you. And I think for some of you, you're actually called to honour your mother and father, not for their benefit, but that it would go well for you, that there's a promise in it. And honouring, all honouring means is to speak well of what you can speak well of. You know, there's some, there, we know that not everybody comes from functional or healthy backgrounds. But it's to speak well of what you can speak well of. And to not mention at that moment the things you can't. That's what to celebrate is. So Lord, would you release creativity, ideas, um, impact that in this Easter season, we wouldn't just celebrate you on a Sunday. We would celebrate your, being part of your story, celebrate others, and celebrate what we can do in the world. To your glory we pray. Amen.